Welcome to All About Data on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jory Heckman. Welcome to All About Data on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jory Heckman. Thanks for joining me this week on All About Data, a conversation with chief data officers and the people who are making data work better in government. On today's episode, we're talking about the Postal Regulatory Commission's plans to build up its data capabilities. The commission made that a top priority for the fiscal 2024 budget, but it's not getting everything it asked for now that USPS approves its budget, not Congress. USPS holding the purse strings for its regulator leaves some fearing for its independence. Here to tell his side of the story is the Postal Regulatory Commission's chairman, Michael Kubianda. Chairman Kubianda, thank you again for taking the time. Before we get too far into the issues here, it might be helpful for my audience to know a little bit more about the Postal Regulatory Commission and the role that it plays in overseeing USPS. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? So the the Postal Regulatory Commission is the regulator for the the postal sector in the United States. Our role is sometimes described as similar to that of utility-style regulator in other sectors that are highly regulated, such as telecom or, or energy. And so the Postal Service, when it wants to change its rates that it charges, uh, has to file with the Postal Regulatory Commission. And that's probably the heart of our work, is evaluating rate changes for compliance with the law. We also, since early 2000s, the Postal Service has been proposing contracts with individual mailers known as negotiated service agreements. And so we process tens of billions of dollars worth of those contracts that have to come through us to make sure they're following the law and that they're fair to all mailers. That's the heart of our work. And the other aspect is annually, the Postal Service files with us really extensive reports on their compliance with the law throughout the year. And so at the end of the year, the commission puts out an annual compliance determination to determine whether uh, Postal Service rates in everything they do is in compliance with Title 39 of the U.S. It has been an interesting couple of weeks, couple of days with the PRC's budget request for fiscal 2024. There's been uh, some, some back and forth here, I'll say, on this budget request and what the commission will actually be getting. What are your concerns for the commission's overall independence, given what the USPS Board of Governors recently approved for that budget? First off, I want to show some regard and some respect for the governors. They made it very clear they believe they need to apply their duty of care as governors of the Postal Service in reviewing any spending of Postal Service funds. So we do respect the governors and respect their very important role in that regard. I think from our perspective, there is a difference between reviewing internal budgets at the Postal Service and reviewing internal spending and reviewing the budget of the regulator. So from my understanding, when the PRC budget went through the governors prior to 2007, they generally did not probe into specific PRC priorities as they were reviewing those budget requests. In this budget cycle, there happened to be a lot of questions about the PRC's approach to regulating and why we wanted to invest in certain capabilities or needed certain types of expertise. Now, these are perfectly reasonable questions in many contexts when you're talking about how funds are going to be used, but it's a little bit different when you're talking about a regulator and an operator. 
and the operator is trying to determine what they think is appropriate for the, the regulator to invest in. So those are some of the issues that started to set off a few alarm bells regarding independence. And I realized there might be a need to draw a, a few lines even if everyone is carrying out their roles in good faith, as I believe they were. And we have to keep in mind, this is only the second year of this process since the postal reform law of 2022 passed. And so it does need a little bit of refinement. And and so we're hoping to work with the governors to do that. One thing that's pretty remarkable about the PRC is that it's a very small agency that oversees a very large agency. How big of an undertaking would you say it is for the PRC to oversee implementation of this 10-year Delivering for America plan? and what kind of resources does the commission ultimately need to oversee that plan? It is a major undertaking for the commission, and you're right, we are a very small agency. We have just over 80 employees, and uh, we're overseeing an organization that has over 600,000 employees and is an $80 billion organization that touches every American. Delivering for America is the Postal Service's current plan for kind of redesigning the network. One of our jobs is to oversee that plan. It's a significant undertaking for us. It's a little bit tempered for now because the docket that we have open to look at Delivering for America is what's known as a public inquiry docket rather than one leading directly to a regulatory action at this time. We're simply trying to find out what's going on with the processing and delivery uh, design changes. And if the sense up leading to an advisory opinion where the PRC weighs in with a very technical uh, analysis, that tends to be a little bit more involved. So at this stage, we're in the, the more kind of open-ended where any stakeholder can, can weigh in and ask questions. About 10% of our staff level resources are working on this currently. Now, for us, that's a big deal because we're so small. We have about, I think, our combined legal and analytical teams, you know, with uh, economists and accountants and so forth, is about 40 people. And so we are a micro agency and we're currently at capacity. So any kind of new undertaking is a bit of a challenge for us. We also, one thing I've always pointed to is we don't have any engineering or operations experts on our like fantastic staff of lawyers and analysts to provide input. And this is a very large uh, engineering uh, undertaking. So we actually created a new data analytics team, partly to deal with these types of issues. And this oversight responsibility really challenges their ability to analyze data and determine issues of efficiency and network performance. But I think the issue for us is that oversight of DFA comes as we're capacity and in the middle of twice a year rate increases, which is a really enormous undertaking, very detailed for us, and the negotiated service agreements that I talked about. Uh, So the Postal Service has several proposals in front of us, and all those require multiple staff members. Another issue for us is we're required to assign a public representative to every single case that's before the commission. So any kind of new undertaking tends to challenge our resources. I believe that what we need in terms of resources, we laid it out in our our budget proposal. And frankly, I think we're potentially in a position to apply the resources that we need to undertake this work. The issue for us is that the governors didn't fund our full request. They funded us at 21.1 million and we requested 22.6 million from governors. So it's one and a half million dollars below that. 
I think their implication of, of that is they want us to spend down this pool of restricted cash that we have. And generally what the commission had done is set up a wall where that technology modernization fund awards that we had received, as well as the restricted cash were used for sort of short term and kind of time restricted spending, such as spending on infrastructure improvements or spending on like hiring consultants for short term. And we avoided using that for recurring funds. What we're going to have to do now, I think, is spend down some of that cash that we had set aside for those short term needs and apply that for recurring funds. So our concern is that as we move through this budget cycle and move into the next one, that we're able to pick up investment in the Postal uh, Regulatory Commission at that level that is implied by when you combine all those fundings, which is um, $27 million. It's no surprise, I guess, that especially with the congressional appropriation cycle, agencies, what they request every year, seldom translates into what they get that given fiscal year. Just given that kind of reality that we see year in, year out, you know, is it particularly surprising what we've seen that, that the Board of Governors did not, in fact, grant that full budget request? Uh, it did catch us a little bit by surprise. And so I think we have to keep in mind we're only in the second year of this new system. And so both organizations are, are kind of learning their way through it. And what we need to do is sit down with them and continue to, uh, to communicate about the best way to, to run this process. I think one of the things that occurred is that you have two different entities looking at the same issues in slightly different ways. And you saw that. And I, I think both organizations were well-intentioned here. So it's a matter of kind of getting our heads together and getting on the same page going forward. The PRC has gotten more attention in recent years than it might have otherwise had, if not for this power that it has, this important power to set the rate setting for USPS. We've seen twice a year rate increases. Customers are seeing these prices go up and up and up. On the other hand, we've heard from Postmaster General Louis DeJoy, who says that, you know, this flexibility that they have, they are catching up on prices, that this is flexibility that they should have had years ago. There are a lot of things, obviously, to balance as a commission, as a regulator. How do you ultimately balance those concerns? The Postal Service has been taking advantage of the new rate flexibility that they received from the commission. And it's interesting, they've been raising prices twice a year. That is a new approach uh, for them. So that was a little bit of surprise as we've been implementing this new version of the rate system. The rate regulation structure that we have in place now is determined by the commission's 10-year review. And we'll soon be addressing that again in an upcoming kind of five-year review of that system. The the law and the system that resulted uh, from it, I provide some guidance through objectives and factors that the system uh, should meet. And so those are sort of baked into the system to balance out some of these concerns that you've heard about. Rate stability is one of those, and um, flexibility is, is another issue, but obviously uh, meeting the needs of the, of the postal system. So that balancing act is sort of baked into the regulatory system that we've developed, and it's very difficult to balance those issues. There's a couple broad categories of issues that can be addressed in rate regulation. The magnitude and substance of the rate increases, which you referred to as raising uh, some concerns, as well as the process and procedural rules. Um, and so your question, I think, touches on, on both of those issues. So it, because we have the, the five-year review coming up, I can't uh, really preview what exactly the commission will do. I think we'll, we'll come together as, uh, as a commission and kind of 
you know, review the the system in accordance with the law. But we do see those issues that you've brought up here. You see those issues being raised by observers and stakeholders, the frequency and the impact of uh, rate changes. That was Michael Kubianda. He's the chairman of the Postal Regulatory Commission. We're going to take a short break, but we'll continue our conversation when we return. I'm Jory Heckman, and you're listening to All About Data on Federal News Network. Welcome back to All About Data. We're speaking with Michael Kubianda, chairman of the Postal Regulatory Commission. What we've already spoken about here is that the commission didn't get everything it was looking for in its FY 2024 budget. As we look ahead to the following fiscal year, fiscal 2025, what are the commission's expectations for that budget? And I guess ultimately, going back to your earlier comments, how long can the commission kind of rely on its rainy day fund, I suppose, to uh, you know ensure that it's able to do these expansions in capacity, given its really daunting job of overseeing this 10-year plan? I think one of the upshots of the final decision of the, the governors with respect to the 24 budget is that we're going to have to dig into that rainy day fund immediately, uh, so throughout this year. So we're going to have to spend down the majority of that fund in order to meet our expenses uh, for FY24. I think for FY25, those commission budgets and what our request will be is decided by the full commission. Um, and so we won't do so until next year, around next uh, spring and summer, we'll sit down and kind of determine priorities. And those budgets are sensitive to a number of internal and external drivers, including uh, filings by the Postal Service and stakeholders, um, interest from policymakers. As you mentioned, DFA is a huge driver of uh, interest from, uh, we're getting a lot of interest from Congress, a lot of interest from members of the public who are concerned and want some transparency and accountability there. Uh, So those are certainly things that will factor into our 25 budget request. From my viewpoint, I see a need for continued incremental growth to continue addressing our infrastructure backlog and solidifying our workforce. We're micro agency, we're very tiny. One of my particular goals through the budget process is for better technology and data infrastructure. I think in the long run, that'll make us more uh, efficient as a micro agency. It's really a, a clear benefit in that sense. I will also note that when we're kind of doing the better job of managing our information and providing information. We're in compliance with laws that are passed by our authorizing committees, the House Oversight Committee, uh, Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee. They uh, pass a lot of this legislation about government modernization, about data management. So, and I, I think that's the clear direction that you see on a really bipartisan level coming out of Congress. And so it's really important to me that we're able to upgrade our infrastructure in order to meet this policy direction. To that point about one of your goals being improved data infrastructure for the PRC, as part of this growing workforce, I did notice that the PRC does have this new analytics team. What role is that team taking on and what are the future goals of that team and how ultimately are they furthering that goal of uh, an improved data infrastructure? So we're getting that group up to speed uh, currently. Uh, it just uh, got up to four people in the last month. It's led by a PhD statistician with extensive experience in the postal regulation and staff with people who have great skills in uh, data analysis. At the moment, they're assisting a lot of our traditional analytical work, uh, supporting our work in postal economics, costing and rate regulation, evaluation of negotiated service agreements and so forth. But in, specifically within the past year, the commission issued a report on 
um, flat shape mail, uh, and which has been a kind of a long time problem in terms of um, cost control and efficiency. And that was a, a real chance for the data analytics team to do some really interesting work on plant productivity and you know analyzing data, uh, searching for inefficiencies and the impact of those inefficiencies at the plant level on particular products. So that was a, a real opportunity for them to to step up. Over time, I want this team to be a hub for a variety of analytical tasks. And one particular, I think, core element is the impact of changes to the network, such as we're seeing of DFA. So this group is taking the lead on analyzing DFA. Obviously, the DFA changes will have impacts on network performance and efficiency. And I, I would really like to see us apply advanced analytical techniques to provide some additional transparency and accountable accountability on that. And I think eventually, the more you understand the structure of the network and the behavior of the network, that eventually feeds in sort of the broader economic issues that we traditionally handle in terms of rate regulation. So I think there's a coordination between sort of the, the, the new analytics work and sort of our traditional work. And I think this is all, as I mentioned, in keeping with the spirit of the Evidence Act and the broader push in federal policy for more data-driven, evidence-based policymaking. Uh, so we're trying to be in line with that. These are laws that are written and overseen by our authorizing and oversight committees, and I know it's something they have a lot of interest in. You mentioned it earlier, but the Technology Modernization Fund uh, did give the commission some funding to modernize some of its uh, work in terms of its oversight. What's the latest on what the commission's been able to do with that funding from the TMF? Where do things currently stand and what are its goals, its near-term goals to turn that funding around into uh, increased capacity? The commission applied for the technology modernization funds, and I believe we're one of, if not the first small agency to, to win uh, two of those awards. And so uh, there are a couple different avenues. One is just the core data management to the commission has, as you can imagine, there's a lot of postal data. We're talking about a network that reaches every uh, single American. And so and they file a lot of data with us. So a lot of that data, it's, it's been up to the analyst to sort of organize it almost manually. So when the, the, when the postal service service files with us and we're trying to update from from year to year, update the, that data. A lot of that is just kind of manual copying from cell to cell. Uh, obviously not the best way to do it and inefficient. So what we're doing is we're setting up the basic data platforms that will allow us to first organize and uh, catalog that data, in the, which is a best practice, and then allow us to automate those data flows. And so we've started that process with the TMF funding on the data management side. Another aspect that we've funded through TMF is cybersecurity. So shortly after I became chairman, I signed some acquisitions uh, for some uh, cybersecurity capabilities, and I was surprised that uh, it was something that the commission that was still just uh, working on. These are things that we ideally would have had in place, but we just simply didn't have the funding in the past. And so we've been really ramping up our cybersecurity capabilities in conformance with FISMA and, and sort of best practices. So one of the things we're using the TMF funds for is to partner with Department of Justice the Security Operations Center to help us with monitoring traffic and monitoring um, impact on our networks. If we were to do that on our own and to build our own security operations center, I've looked it up and the typical size is somewhere between 11 and 25 people. And so we're an agency about 80 people. So it's been unbelievably valuable for us to uh, set up this type of partnership situation using the TMF funds and allow us to set up that capability uh, in the long run. And I think it'll have a really high payoff for us. 
One other data-centric point I wanted to get your thoughts on here. There are, of course, kind of a, a sprawling network of USPS databases now, or dashboards. I know that the PRC has its uh, data tools, the USPS Inspector General's Office does, and now, uh, as a byproduct of the Postal Service Reform Act, the USPS is standing up some of those capabilities as well. I'm really curious, in terms of all of those things existing, where do you see the opportunities for those things to sync up, to harmonize, and, and I guess ultimately synergize in a way that makes them more effective than the sum of their parts? Uh, that's a great question. And I think we're still in the early days in the postal world. And I think there's a lot of upside in terms of making, you know, as you, as you mentioned earlier in this interview, these, these are very uh, involved issues, very complex, and breaking those down uh, through simple visualizations so your members of the public can understand uh, better what's going on and what's uh, happening with their postal system is important. I think we're probably too early to talk about combining and, and, and synchronizing, but we are monitoring that very closely and making sure that we're adding value. We're going to be doing more uh, visualizations, I believe, as we get better at kind of organizing our data. We're going to be keeping in line with, I think, open data principles. Uh, making sure that it's available for external users. If you look at other sectors, I think in, in like weather, federal uh, weather reporting data, for example, you see a community of people who access that data and then kind of use it to develop really interesting applications that make the entire ecosystem smarter. And I think there's, we're again, very early days, but I think there's a lot of upside and great possibilities there. But we'll be working very closely with the Postal Service and with the OIG to make sure that our kind of separate roles all add some value as we go forward uh, with these data visualizations. Well, I wanted to end this interview where we started here, and that's going back to the commission's independence. Of course, we were talking about the budget earlier. I did want to get your thoughts on some of the statements that the Postmaster General has made about the commission. I think he has said in some meetings that he has questioned whether USPS needs a regulator of any kind. In a sit-down interview I had with him this summer, he said that the Postal Service doesn't need to be babysat by a commission. How do you uh, navigate your role as chairman of the commission, just given everything that we've been seeing and hearing as of late? Great question and very complex question that we could probably talk about for days. But we've noted those remarks. And I think the, the first response, it's the law. The um, Congress created the Postal Regulatory Commission to oversee the Postal Service, and and that's still the law. And so um, it's not up to any individual, it's not up to me or any other individual to unilaterally uh, change that. Uh, there And there are good reasons that Congress created the, the Postal Regulatory Commission. Um, more broadly speaking, I think, you know, I think in the United States, we tend to believe competition is the best regulator. That's the, the best protection for consumers. And where there's a lack of competition in certain sectors of the economy, that's where you do need a regulatory body. The Postal Service is a has a legally granted monopoly. It's a gargantuan $80 billion per year organization that touches every American and has that legal monopoly. So this is the classic case in our kind of free market system for where you do need a regulator. And this is, happens to be a government monopoly. So the case is even stronger. More specifically, I think the Postmaster General had expressed some concerns about you know, commission's action, prior actions or lack of actions on the price cap. That was a cap that was set by law. And the commission did act. 
to address that and with the very limited resources but came together uh, for that huge undertaking and so uh, it's not clear what exactly he's referring to and then I know for the the DFA or with the the babysitting remark as you mentioned the commission advisory opinions are advisory and so the commission does not stop or halt network changes and so uh, through those opinions and and so it's not clear where that's coming from either but I think as we move forward, I think we've seen lots of concerns from members of Congress, from local elected officials, from members of the public about what is going on with the postal system and the impact of those changes. And we're getting more and more complaints. I, I've got, I'm getting personal calls from elected officials and their staff members about this problem. So I think what we can do is provide that transparency and accountability through like objective analysis. I've described our role as sometimes uh, being a technocratic body uh, and providing that objective analysis. Um, and whether, however, he you know he sees it in particular. I know that role is well received and it's valuable. And I think we're seeing a more and more acute need for that role due to the changes that are going on in the postal system. That was Michael Kubianda, chairman of the Postal Regulatory Commission. You can find more data coverage as well as more episodes of All About Data on federalnewsnetwork.com. I'm Jory Heckman, and thanks for listening to this episode of All About Data.